KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. been so much discussion and debate about school during the pandemic. There have been crazy school board meetings, parents screaming at each other over masks, and of course the big debate, should kids be in person or virtual? Through all of this, we've really seemed to lose track of the kids, and we wanted to find out, how are they doing? So we're going to go behind the scenes at a local school and talk to some kids about what school during the pandemic has been like for them and how the people in charge plan to keep them safe. I'm Carol McKenzie, and joining me, KYW News Radio original podcast producer Brian Seltzer. Hey, Brian. Hey, Carol. So returning to in-person learning has been such a hot-button issue during this pandemic, but it seems like we're, we're at the place in this pandemic where just about everyone, parents and educators, are on board with having kids in school. They think that's the best for kids when it comes to learning. But when you start talking about how schools have gone about doing it. That's where the debate comes in. And we seem to have lost kids in the middle of all of this discussion. I really wanted to try and get into a school and see what it's like for the students. Not to sound cliche and say it's all about the kids, but uh, it is all about the kids. It is all about the kids. And I think we've heard so much from the adults involved in this that it's important to go back and hear What do kids think? How are they feeling right now? What are they thinking? And so you visited a school to see what was going on there. I did. I went to St. Peter's School. It's on Lombard between 3rd and 4th. It's like a very old school, first of all. It opened back in the 1830s. It's got brick. It's got stone. But one of the things that really intrigued me about St. Peter's was that it has this wide age range of students and kids that go there. They take kids as young as three for preschool, and they have school going up through eighth grade, and it stops there. So there's this wide swath of ages, and I was really curious just to see what it's like for the kids in there. So you got there first thing, right, when kids were being dropped off. I did. Kids start showing up around 7.45. Before I could even really be around the school grounds, I had to do my check-in right away, sign a form, show my proof of vaccination, got my temperature checked, sanitized my hands, the whole works. All right, here's the form. Great. I like the sanitized pen. That's a nice... You got the sanitized uh, pen. Um, do you have to sanitize the them every day? Is that well, actually, I did, and now I have, like, an ultrasonic or oh, ultraviolet. Nice. I'll take care of that. Okay, cool. Um, oh, did you Oh, no, I'm going to get you proof of Vax. Is a picture on my phone? Yeah. Perfect. And then a little bit before 8, that's when you get the big crush of kids arriving. We're talking about one of the two westbound lanes on Lombard being pretty much inaccessible because between line. third and fourth, you got all these parents <laughs> pulling up on the sidewalk and, and dropping off their kids. But it's great. It was pajama day, which I thought was Really coincidental, because here here we are focusing on a story on the world coming out of the pandemic. And when I look at people in their pajamas, I think, that's how I lived life for about a year. You know, I sat around, I did all my work in my sweatpants and pajamas. Nearly two years of pajama day. (laughs) That's right. So one of the traditions at St. Peter's is an administrator or head of school, someone is typically in front of these big red doors on Lombard to the entrance of the school, and they greet the students personally when they walk into school every day. But now part of that tradition is that when a guardian brings a student up, 
up to the school, they have to show to one of the staff members from school on their phone a symptom checker where they have to fill out forms, questionnaire each day just to verify that their kid is feeling well enough to be mm-hmm. in school. So how many kids are we talking about? How big is a school? First thing, Carol, that I wanted to point out is that St. Peter's is not necessarily representative of the every person school within the context of Philadelphia. It's a really small, non-sectarian private school. There's fewer than 200 students in the whole school. So again, that's preschool through eighth grade. That ends up being around an 11 to 1 student to faculty ratio. So I think that's important just as a contextual detail to Mm -hmm. throw out there. One thing, though, that stood out to me right away is that once I got into the building and started walking around was that it just felt like a normal school day. And we hear this phrase, new normal, all the time, right? <laughs> like, how do we get used to the new normal? Right. And everything about St. Peter's felt normal. The only thing that wasn't normal, I guess, compared to pre-pandemic, was that everyone's wearing a mask. But aside from that, it's like the rhythms, the laughter, the noise, the buzz of a school. It was great. It was refreshing. They've gotten into the pandemic groove. Well, and that's going back to all this discussion about masks and do you and don't you. Right. And I can just speak to this from having toddlers. They really don't care. <laughs> it might be an inconvenience. They might not like it. If they had their choice, they probably wouldn't want to wear it. But once you say, put it on, at this point, 20 months into it, it's just like putting on socks and underwear. Yep. You just do it. <laughs> yeah. You just do it and you go about your day. When I get into the school, my chaperone at St. Peter's <laughs> for the day is the head of school, Matt Evans, and he's taking me around. We actually start on the third floor, which is the upper school, and St. Peter's has had to completely rethink its layout in the aftermath of the pandemic. Typically, we have classes at every grade level on every floor because they interact, and it's a big part of being in a preschool to eight is that when they interact, they get to see the older and the younger, and that's good, but with the... Uh, with all of the transitions and trying to keep the cohorts somewhat the same, we've sort of placed most of our lower school downstairs and our upper school upstairs. There's a little crossover, but not as much as normal. This is our eighth grade. Matt takes me up to an eighth grade classroom. There's some testing going on. There's three students to a table. They're huddled around their computers. They're getting ready for some standardized testing, which for me, those are always some of the Least look forward to days of the school year. Oh, fun. <laughs> fun, fun, fun. The testing space in your peers. And Evans, the head of school, he lightens the mood a bit. He understands that this could be a potentially tense, not-so-fun day. So Matt tries to lighten the mood. You guys all wish Mr. Pritchard a happy birthday? Yes. Okay, just making sure. Otherwise, we're going to have to sing. But we'll do that later. I think we should sing. I think we should sing. Don't you have the test? I mean, that's so important. I mean, I Singing happy birthday might, Carol, seem like so insignificant and frivolous a detail to what goes on in a school day pre-pandemic. But this was one of the first things that I, I observed where I'm like, yeah, you can't do this if you're virtual. 
Yeah, it's not the same when you see it in Zoom squares. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Where do you even look? If you're in a Zoom square, right. do you look to your right, to your left? Do you just look straight forward? <laughs> There's no way to pick up on those cues, the subtle body language cues. And this was something that all throughout the day was really apparent, that there were just these little moments that captured the essence of interactivity of being in a school. It's really all about the connection. It is. I totally underrated that at the beginning of the pandemic. But when you look at it in the perspective of these kids, like this is everything for them right now. These are, are true foundational building blocks. I got to speak with an eighth grader named Max. He's been at St. Peter's his whole life, essentially, for nine years, lives in South Philly. And remember, St. Peter's went back to in-person learning in October 2020. So I asked Max a year later if he could remember at all what he was feeling when he first went back to school, when there wasn't vaccines or anything like that. And some of these schools were just going out on a wing and a prayer, hoping that everyone would be safe. I wasn't really that concerned because our school really doesn't have that many people in it, and all the grades were kept separate. So if somebody did get the coronavirus, it was very easy to send that whole grade home and keep us all separate. I was really just excited to see my friends again. It had been, I think, pretty much a year since I had seen them all in person. So I was very excited to see them all. You know, it's interesting because when you talk to Max in eighth grade, it's a complete change for him and for older kids like him because they've been going to school like we all remember it. And then all of a sudden the pandemic hits and everything changes. They have much different perspective. The wild part about getting older, and I didn't necessarily feel like this would turn into a philosophical podcast here, but the wild thing about getting older is I can still remember parts of things from that stage in my life, being in eighth grade. I have these, I don't know if it's the same for you, but these flashbulb moments, generally emotions that I felt in eighth grade. But I sure as heck didn't think that I was articulating some thoughts like this, <laughs> yeah. which are pretty deep. I feel like just the social interaction, without that, you kind of lose a big aspect of uh, growing up, really. When you don't have those small social interactions, you kind of start to lose your friends a bit because there's no, there's no really connection. There's nothing. It's just them in a classroom and you hear them speak and then you speak and you can't talk to each other. Right. That disconnect, you know, the disconnect that if anybody who's had a Zoom meeting or a Zoom call or a Zoom conference, it's weird to be looking at just into your computer camera and just you're talking to a piece of machinery. You don't feel like you're talking to other people. Max just says it so well. I mean, when he says, you know, you start to lose your friends a bit. It gets me a little, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh. Just think about all those scenarios in school when you could be more a kid than a student, whether it's out on the playground, at recess, at lunch, where you don't have teacher, big eye in the sky looking over you. And you could just chop it up with your friends and be a kid. Thinking about being a student Max's age and losing out on that, it really hit home. When I was leaving, I spent the last part of my visit out on the playground at St. Peter's, and I saw a girl who probably was around the same age as Max, so I'm thinking maybe somewhere from 6th to 8th grade. She was sitting on a bench by herself for a bit, you know, just having a moment to herself, but then two students came over and asked her if she wanted to play. She said, no, I'm good, which is totally fine, but still, 
that type of scenario where you have two students looking out perhaps for another, just checking in, making sure you're all right when you're alone, those things are obviously pivotal. What about the little, little kids? Because you said they take kids as young as three. Curious about the little tykes there. I don't know if you remember this, Carol, but we ask our kids, what did you do in school today? I don't know. Nothing. (laughs) So we're always wondering, what the heck are our kids doing? And I got down into the early childhood division, the preschool, and I got a little bit more of a sense of what kids that age are doing, which again are the ages of my kids. And they're doing morning greetings. And you can literally like see the faces of these kids light up and through their body language, how into it they are, how silly they're being, how much fun they're having, and how engaged they are in the activities that they're doing. Silly is so important. Just being able to be your goofy little self at that age. And, you know, you're talking about, you ask your kid what they were doing. I still remember my kids being in preschool and it was like pulling teeth, but you realized what they would tell you about is what they did at recess. Yeah. Or what their friend Johnny did or what Susie did over here during art class. It's those moments that are so important to them. Two more students at St. Peter's that I spoke with, Athena and Avery, also from South Philly. They seem as thick as thieves. And I pulled (laughs) them into the auditorium and asked them about how school has been going for them and what it's been like being back. Excited, happy, and like all the good feelings pretty much. It's incredible to be back, and I'm so happy that the virus is finally starting to come down and starting to end. And it's been really great to be here. That's just so cute. It's so sweet. They still had this pure, genuine innocence about them where you could tell they knew that something was up in the world the last 20 months and something was different and probably wasn't the way it was supposed to be or something wasn't normal. But they were still finding ways to get by. Avery, she spoke about focus and that being virtual for the time that St. Peter's was virtual, it just was not easy to pay attention. At home, I have like different things around me that I usually like to play with and stuff like that. And at school, there are things that I like around the classroom, but I'm really just focused on keeping my eyes on the teacher. The one thing I've noticed through the pandemic is kids actually expressing the desire to go back to school. You know, this is why. The grass may not always be greener. You don't know what you love until it's gone. And that carried all the way through from the second graders like Athena and Avery to Max going back to him. In person, I feel like it allows you to have much more attention than when you're online. Because when you're in person, I feel like teachers can notice a lot better if you have some struggle. And it's a lot easier to communicate that because you can just pop into their classroom and and ask. You can just ask if uh, if you need any help. But online, you really don't have that. Uh, you can maybe send an email, but there's a good chance that they can't really do much about it because you're online. That is really key. The ability to ask a teacher for help, to pop in and get that help, that feeling of disconnect and the inability to do that. I think a lot of kids suffered with that. And Let's be honest, the teachers are really stressed out. The teachers have been so stressed out because they were navigating virtual along with everyone else. They had never done it before either. For teachers, they're another part of this equation where the amount of pressure and the burden they had to carry so immense. 
their safety, especially in the early stages of the pandemic, having to pivot and learn and adopt a whole new style of teaching within a matter of weeks. That was in the case of St. Peter's when they went to virtual learning in April of last year. And when I was talking with Matt Evans, the head of school at St. Peter's, we went back through the timeline and how St. Peter's came to ultimately decide to go back to in-person learning in October 2020 because that was early. I asked Matt, what was it like trying to calculate this plan? Our mission and the work that we did putting into uh, the scenario plannings helped us to make sure that those decisions were made about the kids. And the challenge of that is there were family members, community members, teachers who said the best thing for the kids is for them to stay home. And there was a large group of people and teachers and administrators and others who said the best thing is that these kids are back in school safely. And so that may have been the challenge of making sure we did what's best for kids, but in the perspective of who's asking the question. The thing, Brian, that strikes me, and you pointed this out in the beginning of the podcast, they were able to do this because it is a really small school. And you look at public schools in the city, the nearby suburbs, really, they're huge. I also felt, Carol, that I couldn't not ask Matt about that, that St. Peter's is a private school where tuition starts in the 20s, and we're talking five figures, and it goes up to the 30s. Having been virtual for the the two and a half, three months that we were the previous spring uh, was not a good situation. And for us to know the impact that that had on kids and their families, and ultimately our teachers who never got into this business because they wanted to teach online, we knew that getting back was a priority and doing so safely was was necessary. The public schools did an incredible job. Uh, a lot of them were able to to, to do a lot of good work with what they had been given. Uh, the buildings and the, the way that the uh, structures were in place and the, the number of students, it just made it almost impossible to be successful. And so we don't like to look at it as we, we could and they couldn't, but rather we got lucky. We found that we were able to do it for our students. And that's, as an independent school, kind of what we've always been trying to do. And one person in particular has been responsible for trying to keep St. Peter's safe during the pandemic. We'll have more on that after a brief break. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Carol McKenzie. The people I've had in the back of my mind this whole pandemic when it comes to schools, because I have kids in school, and that's the school nurse's office. Um, the school nurses who have to take care of kids if they get sick and if you don't know it's COVID right away, because they can't tell if it's COVID or just a cold or maybe sometimes even allergies. And then you're dealing with parents. I can't imagine how stressful, how stressful school nurses have had it. It became really apparent after I sat down with Val Hill, the school nurse. She's one of the stars, if not the star, of St. Peter's operation in terms of keeping kids safe and helping get the school back on track. Listen to how her day starts. Every day I start my day off around 5.30 a.m. And I'm usually either taking calls from parents or looking at emails from either the night before or the morning of. If a child is not feeling well, I ask parents to contact me to let me know what's going on with their child so that we can work through the process to see if they have symptoms related to COVID and if their child should stay home from school. That whole process goes till about 730 when most kids are getting ready for school. Throughout the day, a teacher 
may send a child down if she thinks they're not feeling well or something happens during the day. So I check them out if needed. You know what the craziest part, Carol, about all this was? Val said she actually finds this exciting. And that gave me pause. I did like a double take when she said that. Yeah, I can't imagine spending the first two hours of my day answering emails and phone calls from parents. The first two plus hours of her day, that's all she's doing. Clearly, she enjoys what she's doing. And clearly, you would have to because that situation is so stressful. And and not only that, but her safety is being compromised. We had a case recently where there was a student who was positive and they actually came to school that day. Then the teacher realized something was wrong. And so it was the first hour of the morning and they sent the student to me and the student starts talking. And I know the student pretty well. And the student said, I just don't feel good. And this is one, a student who never says that. So I said, okay, let's do a quick COVID test. And while the COVID test is running, I'll call mom just to let her know you're not feeling well today. All that happened now that we have the COVID testing in place that we didn't have last year. The student was COVID tested on site and they have to confirm that with a PCR test. So we move forward with removing the student first and then contacting all the families to let them know that we have a positive case. So we closed the classroom, sent everyone home within two to three hours And they all had to be COVID tested before they came back to school. We closed that particular classroom for an entire week. Those students all came back negative. So that just goes to show that what we're doing in school is actually working. Our social distancing, our masking requirements, our hand washing requirements, our cleaning requirements, those are all working to help keep the students safe. She's just speaking about it so (laughs) matter-of-factly, so calm, cool, and collected, Like it's nothing, like it's not a virus that could either put her or her family members at risk as well. But that is probably what keeps parents from going off the rails, you know, because when you hear that one, your child has COVID or, you know, you get that phone call from the nurse's office who says, eh, your child was exposed to another child who has COVID. That is not a fun moment right there. I mean, that is enough to cause most parents a high level of anxiety. So I would imagine having someone like Val on the other end of the phone, who's calm, cool, and collected, who can kind of keep the situation under control just with her cool. Her sense of purpose, belief, and mission was just off the charts. It was really impressive to hear her talk about it. It's my job. And I feel that I have a responsibility to the school community and a social responsibility to people in general to make sure that they're healthy, make sure they're safe. You know, I'm just a small piece of a much bigger puzzle. I believe, you know, in order for a school to function and for kids, for the staff, for the faculty to actually have a great day, a big piece of that is health. Once you make that component full circle, it's like it it makes a lot of sense that the students can thrive and have of good experience. That's so funny that she thinks it's just a small piece of a much bigger puzzle. It sounds to me like she's an integral piece of that puzzle in keeping the ship upright. So the picture, Brian, you know, every day we turn on the news, we deal with the news, and it just seems like there's always changing COVID news. And of course, the latest now is with vaccines and trying to get younger and younger kids vaccinated. Depending on how you're wired, 
Perhaps your first impulse would be, this is great news. The younger mm-hmm. members of our population can now start to get vaccinated. But as we know, Carol, this will probably spark more and more conversation about should we, should we not. And I think that in the near term, this is something that all schools will have to figure out is how are they going to work vaccinations into their protocol? Mm-hmm. Will there be mandates? Will there be recommendations or suggestions? Because it's every family's right to choose how they want to proceed with their respective kids. So I think that's short term. Long term, maybe we can leave it with something that Max told me, the eighth grader from South Philly, as we were wrapping up our conversation. I asked him if he has any concerns moving forward. He's in eighth grade. Again, that's where St. Peter's stops. So it's on to another school for Max next year. Does he feel prepared, ready to enter what many people would say is a critical phase, not not to make it to like put all this pressure on, but think about it. I mean, it is. It critical. is. Yeah. It is critical. I am a little bit nervous because of Corona in the past few years, because sixth and seventh grade are kind of meant to prepare you for eighth grade. But I feel like my school did manage it very well and they did keep us learning. So I'm, I feel pretty confident about uh, SSATs and getting good grades in the school this year. When you think about the transitions, that is a really critical transition. I mean, particularly for kids in this school who have stayed in the same kind of pipeline here, the same school up and through eighth grade to like transition now out of that to a new school. That's a big deal. That's a big deal in, in a normal year, in normal times. My hope is that moving forward, we never forget about this period in the sense that for as much as it possibly can... There should be a universal understanding that maybe some kids will be a little bit farther behind than they would have. Maybe some kids won't be affected at all, but there's just more universal understanding that for who knows how long beyond this 24-month period, hopefully not much more than that, I think the pandemic is something we're still going to have to reckon with and work through to help people get on track and get back on track in their lives. Thanks, Brian. You got it, Carol. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Carol McKenzie, and we'll have another episode out soon.